Hello, hello, and welcome to episode number 22 of Fast Casual, London's official podcast, brought to you today from Colorado and from Ireland, quite a distance. My name is Alex Mann, and I'm your host again, and it's great to be back this week. As I like to say, every restaurant has a story, and so without further delay, let's get the show on the road. I'm delighted to say that I'll be chatting with Jeff Kennedy, the founder and head dish dog at Moe's Original BBQ. Say hi there, Jeff. Hey, Alex, how's it going today? I appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate you having me for a minute to talk about business. You're my first dish dog. I'm delighted to have you on. Like, this is unique. This is unique, you know. Uh, do you want to give us a bit about yourself there? Tell uh, tell everybody who you are, what you do besides dish dogging, and a uh, bit of insight into the man himself. Yeah, so my name is Jeff Kennedy, like you said. I grew up in North Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, um, and went to the University of Alabama, started started there. I was, I was always interested in hospitality. I, I found in high school that I was good at throwing a party and so i decided maybe i should try to try to try to find a career path that that lent to that and so i'm um, going into college um, i was always always in the, the bar scene and the restaurant scene for work um, and and hooked up with my current partner there started working for him through college to make a living and uh, we ended up coming out he came to culinary school at johnson wales mike fernandez um yeah and, and came out to, to culinary school and and then I, I followed quickly on his heels as soon as i graduated because i knew i wanted to be in in a ski town uh to spend my yeah. life and uh so we were able to we were able with ben gilbert our third partner um we were able to go out and buy an old hay trailer and convert it into a uh, a legal kitchen and put it okay. on the side of the road here in vale and uh, we opened up uh, built a built a pit out of my landlord's junkyard, uh, just old 500 gallon diesel barrel. Started smoking meats on the side of the road in Vale, and um, and yeah, we the first summer we sold out about a hundred days straight, and realized that we were onto something, and um, and kind of just kind of just took it from there. That's unreal. And when you say like there were like, you know, 100 days, were there just lines around the block to kind of come in and like try it or how was it hyped? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was really cool. We had this vacant corner and it's just a gravel lot and we set up some hay bales and for, for the seating out in the lot, serving out yeah. this trailer, burning a big fire off in the, uh, in the smoker and and yeah, so the cars just started coming, and we were uh, we were kind of we were kind of blown away by the by the immediate interest. Yes. And it's just something really different out here, you know. Growing up in Alabama, it's it's barbecue and soul food is is part of our being. Yeah. Um, and out in Colorado, is more of a melting pot of the world. And so we were able to introduce our our southern roots into kind of a new area, and it was super fun really exciting summer i mean we were brewing we were doing sun tea just in gallon jugs yeah. and it was it was very rudimentary setup that first summer so I, that's amazing and you know what's interesting um one of the first podcasts we did was with the guys from days chicken and i'm not sure you've come across that brand at all and they came out of la and they're very young like there are guys in their 20s maybe like early 30s now and similar kind of thing where they were kind of Literally, I mean, if you read their story, they were like I, roasting chicken in like barrels 
like like drums and people were coming from far yeah. and wide to like line up for this extremely hot chicken i've had it and it is very hot and like i think about that in the sense of yours because like if you think about it as well like you know how long ago was this now this was how many years like 20 30, yeah this was in 2001 so yeah about 22 years ago and that's like so incredibly organic you know in the sense that like there wasn't like TikTok or there wasn't like instagram to kind of like or there weren't influencers to sort of capture that sort of like insane audience and insane like demand like it was all 100 percent organic which is like even more fascinating yeah totally organic and that's that's kind of how we've continued to grow you know alex we um we from that point we got a couple of our our restaurant friends involved and and yeah. um started we, we we initially thought that we could live this dual lifestyle between vale colorado and orange beach alabama and live the best of both worlds in our eyes and um so so we went to orange beach and and kind of did our first spur off of here with one yeah. of our friends and employees from alabama and um and so yeah so then we started with a, a mountain scene and a beach scene and yeah. um I think we quickly realized that it, it took a lot more work than just having fun at the beach and in the mountains. Um, so, yes. but, but that was, and we've always really grown organically from that point, you know, we've grown yeah. from within the brand employees and friends, family kind of taking it to their favorite resort towns, their college towns, whatever it may be. So um, a pretty organic growth so far. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, uh, how many locations now um, are there in total? We got 51. Like, I mean, that's insane. Isn't that just amazing? So like 51 locations. That is like, you know, I always say, you know, I, I hear this a lot. Like, I mean, I, I speak to a lot of your peers that are like, are people who have like 50, 100 locations, whichever. And one of the things I definitely kind of feel that I hear from people is that like that zero to one, to get that first one, to get those first two, those first five, is just this gargantuan sort of like, how do we make this happen? And then to get to the next 50, it's like you kind of have like that sort of like, you now are more comfortable of getting to 50. Has it been like, was it kind of like that a story for you as well? Where like those first couple, you're like, oh my God, this is insane. And now you're like, we kind of got it down. I, I think so. I think it was, um, yeah, certainly like that. We, we never started the brand to, to turn it into a, a franchise, which we actually call it a franchise because we, we kind of view the model a little differently. We tried not to be as, as franchisor heavy, but more of a yeah. partner, you know, so it's, it's very much a two way street to us. It's, you know, if they succeed, we succeed and vice versa. Um, but yeah, you know, I think taking the first, that first five was a, a, a ton of work and actually they've all been a ton of work but yeah <laughs> in the beginning just learning what makes what makes a restaurant and what makes this individual brand tick um you know you just gotta you just kind of work through it and we're we're all restaurant people and we just love the operation side of it and we're just in there cooking and hosting the scene day in and day out yeah. um, and so but i think as we've gotten um you know we're we're over the past handful of years, as we've gotten into the forties and fifties, I think it's, it takes a little different, a little different model from our end. Yeah. And that's what we're, we're putting a lot of time and, and effort and, and um, yeah. And into kind of what, what, what helps take a brand to the next level? Because once, once we're at this level now where we, we enjoy operating on a mom and pop type basis, you know, owner being in there yeah. and, 
hosting the scene for their community. Um, but it takes it's we're finding that it's taken some more infrastructure and, and understanding of what this next level of growth looks like. So that's what we're working on right now. What do you think is that? Um, <laughs> just putting I, you on the spot right now, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think ultimately it just takes good people. You know, we have a, a super badass franchise team, small yeah, but yeah. but super skilled and very diversely skilled, which is cool. And and so we're just all putting our heads together, coming from different areas within the industry to to yeah. understand how do we take the next step and and maybe going outside of our four walls and, and getting some help with people who have done it, you know, getting some consulting and, and understanding yeah. of what the what that picture looks like. But you know, I think like with anything, it's it's so much about the people. It's yeah, it, it's just absolutely so much about the people. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because I speak to like, you know, obviously a lot of your peers and a lot of people are like doing this. And I had a guy called Ryan Nowicki on recently, and he's the, uh, he was the um, director of operation excellence at Dave and Buster's. And we were talking about this in the sense that like, you know, they're at a, like 150 locations. And he's like, anybody can copy this. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, like anybody can. There's so many places that have games and food, like conceptually, they can't put a patent on like, you know, a Moe's BBQ, like other places can do barbecue as well. You know what I mean? Like, right. like why are you guys at 51 and some other guys at one or three, you know? And you could say it's the process, but you know yourself, it's the culture. You know what I mean? I think there's an expectation of a culture that you've designed and cultivated over the last like 22, 23 years that people kind of come to expect from you. And I'm curious, like, how you think about your culture and what makes that unique for, like, the guest experience. Um, you know, I think I think kind of going back to that franchise idea that that we use as our terminology within the brand. Um, I think it's we've we really we really value and appreciate um, in in business and just in life, just our yeah. relationships. And so, our our partners are literally like our extended family. Yeah. Um, and and I think within each of our restaurants as, as a visit, you see you see this really family feel within each restaurant. But then even on a bigger picture, you know, my some of my employees here in Colorado, when they have when we have our off seasons, they'll go down to the beach or down to Alabama and work at another Moe's just because they have friends who have come through the system and they've crossed paths with in different areas. Yeah. And um, so it's just, you know, it's really, it's really a big family um, yeah. which for the most part is good, but as we all know, family is family. And so sometimes that, that gets difficult too with that model. You know, I think it's, well, they say you can choose your friends. Is that what they say? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think it's just a, a big culture of respect and love really, to be honest. Yeah. And then when it comes to like, say your leadership, for example, and you know, like, like, how do you like think about maximizing that? Because obviously culture starts at the top, you know, how you and your team kind of behave and operate kind of trickles down to like everybody within the organization. So I'm curious how you think about like the impact of your leadership and how do you like take advantage of that? You know, what, one thing I like to do um, is in the, in the last six months, I, I visited all 50, all 50 of our stores 
and and I, and it was just such a cool experience i had i grabbed throughout the trip i, I did several different road trips to make it happen um, yeah but so i spent a lot of time on the road in the in the latter half of, of 23 and through different segments of the trip i would have partners or even employees at different stores would jump in my car and just go for two or three days with me to the next stores just nice. to visit their friends or to see another store layout um and so so i think really going in and as you said the dish dog you know it's, it's kind of a joke but it's really kind of not i think that one yeah. thing one thing that i that i did at, at every one of those stores on the trip was i walk in and say hello and i immediately knock out the dishes for the crew that's on staff and and i think that's you know that's part of showing my respect and appreciation for each individual staff and and that i believe that goes a long way and it, it totally it certainly does in my mind anyway and i think that that's a that's how i as as one of the leaders of this brand try to connect with with the line level who are who are really purveying our message to the world i'm not sure uh, you've ever have you ever heard the all blacks rugby team yes as a, as a skier, you might have thought about New Zealand, for example, but they have um, a particular code of conduct that they sign up for. And one of the things they have is called sweeping the sheds is like the phrase and your, your dish dogging is like that version of like sweeping the sheds, which is like, they don't leave the locker room covered in mud and dirty. Like when they leave, like they sweep the locker room, they clean it up and leave it as a mark of respect for the person that like, they're not leaving it behind, like in the sense of like not leaving it in a mess and almost like disrespectful for people to do that. And I always think about that myself, just in terms of like, if I had a rugby team, that's what I would hope they would do. But right. it's like, you know, very much like, you know, like setting the sort of expectations for respect because like that's where it starts, you know what I mean? It starts with yourself. And it sounds very much like that you've kind of got that down in terms of like, you know, that that's like an homage to respect, like with your own staff, you know what I mean? That like, Coming to their level and like really showing them that you do care and that you do kind of like give a shit. Do you know what I mean? Like that's something that's Absolutely. like very awesome to hear, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think ultimately that I think I think relationships are what make the world. And I think respect within the relationships is just what it what it's all about. Yeah. Everyone, everyone on this planet needs to respect everyone just a little bit more, and it'll be a better place. Yeah, I wish. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I think they need to get some of your like uh, high altitude air. Yeah, you know, Colorado, <laughs> Colorado high altitude air. I think we need more of that. Be more of this infectious personality. We, we can <laughs> we we can dream. We know it's not happening. We, uh, we, we, baby <laughs> steps, but it really is. You know, I really believe in my heart that it's it is so much about respect. It's just everybody everybody needs to just have a little a little more respect and love in their hearts for everyone around them because everyone's everyone's going through this life together. No, totally. Um, and I mean, when you think about like sort of like the postcode, the pre-COVID and post-COVID, because I feel like no matter what podcast I do with anybody in hospitality, it doesn't matter if you're in hotels, restaurants, franchises, fine dining, you know, resorts, golf clubs, you name it. Everybody has a strong opinion on the pre and post-COVID experience, you know, and I'm curious, like before we get into more kind of like, you know, penal kind of conversations just so curious your take on like the impact on culture because you sound like a real amazing culture guy like even me here just sitting chatting with you i'm like 
I would love for you to be my boss. Like, I mean, I can hear, this is such an infectious energy, you know, like I can understand why people will go to war with you. You know what I mean? I get that. And so I'm curious the impact from that COVID had on sort of the culture of Mo's over that say 2020 to say 2022 and how you guys have come out the other side of it. Because I would love to hear you like talk about it, think about it, because I would love to be able to like, yeah, just gonna get a gist of that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think COVID had, I think it had its hurdles, diff- different hurdles for everyone on the on this planet, um, but but certainly hurdles for everyone, I believe. And I, I think within within our, the hospitality industry, I, I think a lot of um, which in the beginning was was I think negative, but the the masks and the distancing and that is like everything anti hospitality, right? That's yeah. There's, there was nothing about the first year of COVID that, that, that said hospitality. It was actually pulling in exactly the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was difficult, you know, working through, working through un, all the uncertainties and the, the uncertainties of our staffs coming into work, the, the uncertainty of, of the customer and their perspective on what's going on. Um, yeah. And so, so for us, you know, we, we jumped back in our franchise team jumped, jumped into, into our couple of restaurants out here in Vail and just tried to kind of navigate those waters for that, for that first six or eight months. Yeah. Um, It's certainly, it certainly has had its ripple effects on, on culture as a whole. I believe um, it, it seemed like the frontline workers across the world really got put on the spot really went the extra mile to make things to make the world's continue to flow yeah and um and so i think one thing that happened is a lot of a lot of us who were doing that really got beat down and and worn down from the relentless hurdles and restrictions and lack of respect and lack of communication and and so I feel like within our industry we've lost a lot of really good people um, yeah. from, from COVID, and 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 I hate to see that. I think it's really coming back now, and I think people, um, you know, with my career path, I'm really trying to reignite this spark of hospitality everywhere that I possibly, everywhere that I can touch within my brand, within my community, everywhere that I can go and be a part of that because. I believe hospitality is such a thread of of America and America yeah. is a badass country because we work hard and we play hard and and we can't forget the work hard part i think some some uh, some of the the negative side of what covid did i think was was it really changed the work ethic a little bit um i think we there was a lot of money given out. Some of it 100% needed to go into the hands it went into. Sometimes I believe that money kind of had some ulterior um, outcomes for for our world. And and so just really, I believe that reigniting this love for hospitality and yeah. love for welcoming your community into a space to enjoy themselves around food and family and community and good music and, and all the things that are good about this country and this life and, and just reigniting that spark really. 
you know that's like uh <laughs> i love that like in the sense that like i hear that and i'm like you know reigniting that spark because i think like again like i also like refer to your peers like i feel like a lot of people are trying to figure that part out like you're acknowledging it but i think people are still getting to that point of like how do we reignite that spark for hospitality and reignite that spark within our group of restaurants because like you know it's almost like guest experience has changed you know in the sense like what they want like demands from guests themselves has changed and i hear that a lot and then obviously to your point like the employee experience has changed you know like working in a restaurant is like fundamentally changed for so many people you know like technological innovations in the restaurant have changed how the restaurant kind of operates you know at the sort of like the pay has changed you know different places are offering more money to the same audience so it's like are people as willing to stay you know it's almost like i was i was thinking about this recently which is like i'm not sure if you've ever seen the tv show the bear you know oh yeah yeah you know and it's like can that place even survive anymore is this just a myth is this just like a figment of our imagination that a restaurant can behave in such a way to people that people will be willing to stay right you know like as in i was listening to kitchen confidential on an audiobook and you know Bourdain is there talking about his experience in New York City kitchens and it's like there is no way even any of this stuff is like probably yeah. legal let alone yeah. like a, like a practice and I'm like in my head I'm like you know this stuff has changed for the better for like employees and it's like I guess it's like how do you as a leader is it almost like adapt to them versus them adapting to you that that's a great way to put it I think that that's that's what we we as a leadership team are, are really working on. I think you you said it perfectly. Is you know how do we how do how do I come come to them and make their life good and make their career path correct and and it's a different you know I think it's you know this new generation is a, a little different way of thinking than than where I grew up in the industry. And that's fine you know it's it's a it's fluid and it, it's changing and it's evolving and that's i think it's generational um but i think that one of our big it's not even a struggle it's just one of our big focuses and what we're putting energy into is is how to understand what what does this what is this new generation of workforce within the hospitality industry what do they want you know yeah. how do they how do they want to be treated what do they want financially what do they want for benefits how do they want their their lifestyle to blend with their with their work life totally i mean that's exactly yeah i mean these are sort of the questions that we're all trying to figure out now which right. is like what do they want like i think one of the things i definitely feel like i'm hearing which is probably going to be music to your ears is more and more people who want to work in hospitality want to see it as a career like it's not a fallback job anymore like you know like i'll always have restaurants you know what I mean? I'll always be able to go back to the kitchen. It's like, no, I think that kind of views kind of changed almost, or I feel like I'm hearing that. And it's more like people want to be able to find a career out of it. So it was like, help me help you. Like I go to the right, like help me have a career here, please. You know, right. it's like almost like what a lot of people want to hear. And I think, you know, I think a lot of that responsibility due to COVID, I think a lot of people were scarred by like opens, closes, opens, closes. And like, almost realizing it's like i can't live like this forever or COVID to live like this that i need to figure out like what is a career for me and it's like i almost feel like i'm hearing from people that like restaurants as a career is becoming a thing now in a way that before it was kind of an acknowledgement 
Right. That's that's really good to hear too. And that's that's part that's that's a lot of what my ministry is about within the industry now is yeah is really going out as I as I travel, I stop and I speak. I I just make cold calls to universities and I stop and speak to hospitality and business classes, food and beverage labs. I'm just I try to get in everywhere that I possibly can and and push that career path because it's such a cool career path. You know, it's, yeah. I, I think it's a lot of times I always laugh because I feel like a lot of employees within the labor industry, within the hospitality industry are like, well, I'm going to be here for the winter, but my parents say I got to get a real job after that. And I'm like, well, that's bullshit. This is absolutely every bit of a real job, right? I'm Damn, working, yeah. I'm supplying for myself and my family and I'm creating a service and, and a need that's out in my community and, and, and finding a way to be part of that scene. So it is such a real job. And I love that the career path, I hope, is becoming more and more popular. And that's what I'm here to help spread wherever I can, because it is an awesome career. Um, and I think it has goods and bads just like anything. But yeah. but that's what I preach is you know, let's do this. This is a, a, a really neat way to go, a neat way to be a part of your community and a great way to be a service to the world. Totally. And I guess like, you know, you know, on one side, you've got like sort of the evolution of culture, you know, like say, especially post COVID, like how that looks and how we're adapting. When you think about like the evolution of like p &Ls, for example, you know, I, I know, uh, close to your heart, you know, like a topic close to your heart. Like when we think about it like that, it's like a two train thing. How do you, what's your take on like the post COVID p &L now? Like where, what, what does that even mean for people to even understand? So this is, this is pretty close to my heart. I'm, I'm big <laughs> on numbers. I've always, I've always really just enjoyed and kind of naturally understood numbers. And so, um, but I, I think, I think my understanding of numbers and the way that we look at numbers I believe that in the restaurant industry anyway, I think it's such a difficult industry that the operators a lot of times get caught up in the operations. And yeah. as long as as long as there's a couple bucks in the bank account, everything's good and flowing. Um, but anyway, we started noticing, you know, obviously those first couple of years after, you know, as we we're dealing with COVID, it was um it was a learning process and everything was out the roof and you couldn't figure out what was what you're getting some government help. And you knew that labor costs were going up and you knew that chicken wings all of a sudden cost $200 a case. <laughs> and, and, but it was kind of chaos. And so now, yeah. now as the, the chaos has, has, has kind of settled, um, I believe that, that we really have some ripple effects that, that I think are just now becoming noticeable in the last, you know, six to nine months. Um, now that out of the chaos and getting somewhat, somewhat yeah. fluid business going again. And so I think we all, everybody on this planet understands that the labor side of the PL has, has skyrocketed, you know, yeah. the, for, for five years ago, a $12 an hour job is, is now a $20 an hour job. Yeah. And and so labor labor is a huge struggle. Cost of goods is has gone up, but it it is settled back down as well, and it's higher than it was pre COVID. 
but a little bit more. But what I think as we're as we're really diving into it now, we're doing this restaurant health review. So myself um, kind of facilitating with a couple of my leadership team with every single one of our restaurants going through yeah. and dissecting P&Ls and discussing like what does this post COVID not just financial, but operationally and kind of sustainability. What does it look like? Yeah. Um, so what I think is happening on the PL that that we don't take into account is that every single line on that PL, every single line out of a hundred lines is up. And it might just be a quarter of a point that it's up, but it's up. My linens yep. cost more, my power costs more, everything costs more. And so in an industry where we we kind of make minimal margins as it is. Yeah. We do this business because we love it. Not, yeah. not I think a lot of times it's not because of the money, but it's just because of our passion and love for the industry. Um, so it's it's a it's a small margin business to start with. And as you start to take these little even minute pieces, minute points off of a PL, as you get to the bottom, you realize that man, it is all of a sudden, it is really hard really hard to make yeah. a living. Um, and so, so I think we're seeing it, we're seeing prices at restaurants go up drastically yeah. everywhere you go from fast food to fine dining. Um, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been hearing some of the, the fine dining scene is, is almost hitting kind of a, a top end. Maybe it's like how high is the consumer yeah. going to continue to push? And so that's something we're struggling with with barbecue because it's, we, we started this brand um, with the idea of it being a value-based um, brand. You know, it's, yeah. we, we, take a, we take raw products and, and cook them with some, some TLC, and we're able to, to get that product out for a very value-based price. And, and so as we look at raising prices, we're like, where is this threshold? We yeah. always thought that the barbecue sandwich meal would be $10, and that's not the case anymore, you know. Um, and so just understanding that you're, you know, where in the past our cost of our food costs, we want to keep somewhere around 29 or 30 percent. But but now really to cover to cover some of those other expenses, I'm having to get my food costs down, you know, really below 25 percent yeah. so, so that I can cover these other areas that used to just fit into your basic p l guidelines and that's not the case anymore so it's it's really interesting and um we're we're going really deep with trying to understand where what direction are we going with menu pricing totally offerings and and understanding because we need we need to make a living as restaurateurs we, we need to make a living and we need to make a decent living because we work hard and so yeah. it's just it's just an interesting right now trying to understand where where are prices going to to cover cover our bases and and at what percent do restaurant owners when do they say that it's just not worthwhile to operate right if you because yeah. you can go out on you can go get a job now and 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 make six digits for doing minimal work and in the restaurant as an owner wish. as an owner <laughs> like I wish. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just that's some of the I think post COVID P and L that that our team's working a lot with, and I think it's I think it's something the whole industry I'm sure is, is totally work, working behind you know, the scenes to understand. Do you know what you reminded me of when you were talking about the barbecue sandwich there? You know the famous story of the Costco hot dog. 
No. The CEO was like, one of the analysts came in and was like, we can't sell this for a buck 50 anymore. And he famously was caught, I think on record saying, you know, the guy goes, we're losing our rear ends. And the guy goes, if you raise that effing hot dog, I'll kill you. And it's basically like, this is the thing that we sell. You know what I mean? Like people come for the buck 50 and the price hasn't changed in like 40 years, but every analyst is screaming at him constantly. <laughs> I think, about that, you know, in the context of what you're saying, you know, it's like, you know, knowing where and how, and, you know, it's like a mathematical equation for you as a maths guy and a numbers guy. I mean, if you think about every single thing that goes into, if you're looking at the minutiae of the numbers of what makes up a barbecue sandwich, you look up what's the experience of like keeping the lights on inside. And it's like bringing it down to like, it's like very kind of basic kind of figures. You're actually solving a maths problem as much as you're solving sort of like a guest experience. You know? Right. I mean, I feel like I'm hearing, you know, yeah. like it's just a giant math problem. Well said. It's it certainly is a, a big math problem. It's also, it's also I think a, a psychological mo uh, problem yeah. that you got to solve. You know, it's like where does the barbecue sandwich? You know, just going back to the ten dollar barbecue sandwich. Where, at what point do we make our money but still bring value to the customer? Totally. It's, you know, it's a very fine line. And I think the the industry. Food beverage has always operated on that on that model, yeah. Um, and and while our costs have gone up significantly, I don't think the consumer has completely caught up to what that new cost structure is going to look like for the future. Totally. And I mean, you know, what I'm seeing online. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm living online because I'm a millennial. But like, well, part of my job is obviously to follow all this stuff and see what's happening. And one of the things I'm seeing constantly now uh, on TikTok and Reels. I sound like I, if for anybody who's listening, I'm 35 years old and yes, I use TikTok, uh, is people almost like price shaming McDonald's. I'm not sure you're seeing this as a trend where people are like taking, like, I can't believe I bought a Big Mac meal and it costs 15, $20, you know, yeah. which is like, right. And I think they're at the point that you're talking about, which is like, how much can you raise the price without like destroying the value of what you're selling? If right. That makes sense, you know, and that sort mm -hmm. of like elasticity, you know? Yeah. And that's funny because the McDonald's, you know, we've for the past three weeks, every day I've had a, a pricing strategy meeting and and at every single one of those meetings are like, well, you pay 15 bucks for a for a Big Mac now. Which, <laughs> and so, I don't know. McDonald's might have, you know, might have overcome that threshold and they might have they might be pushing some business away, which is what we're. You know, it, it's a delicate situation for all the brands. Totally. You got to kind of figure out where your brand fits. But it's totally, and I mean, you know, to the point you're saying, you know, like you know, this sort of post-COVID PNL, it's like you're not the only ones that are kind of going through this. You know, like from the largest brand in the history of like restaurants and McDonald's to you guys and everybody in between, like solving like the PNL seems to be like. You know this enormous sort of burden and i wonder you know when you're saying like labor is like the biggest cost on that PL, for example so when you think about labor for example and you think about like the humans you bring into your restaurant you know the cost of even getting humans into the restaurant is like probably like so difficult and so expensive like you know hiring rehiring is like it, it sounds to me like you know keeping obviously everyone says they want to keep their employees but like i have you got like I know we talk about culture and love and passion within the business and that's why like people love working there but like presumably like you know the baseline is like we pay them at a, a good a good wage and then it's like are there good programs or policies to like keep people 
like from leaving or going to other restaurants or like promotional opportunities, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I think uh, across our brand, it's, it's different everywhere. Um, I can speak primarily to to Vail, Colorado. And, you know, we we have just always tried to to bring an experience to our employees. Um, you know, I think I think hospitality is I don't think I think the customer's experience can never be greater than the employee's experience. And so how do you create this experience, not just on a day to day, shift to shift, but but in the big picture? You know, we we do ski passes. We do um, last night. We had a Christmas party and shut down the restaurant and and everyone had a everyone came in and um, we put actually a couple of our staff put together a really cool party just to invite everybody in and enjoy each other's um, enjoy communion with others outside of work. Yeah. Um, we do, uh, you know, we just really try to, to even single out employees throughout the year and, and take them skiing, take them rafting, go for bike rides. Um, we're, we're very into experiential outside yeah. of the box stuff. Um, That's all. So I, I'm not sure that I, I'm not positive that, well, I, actually I, I don't think that it's all financial anymore. I don't think that I don't think that that dollar amount, although we've taken the dollar amount up considerably in the past few years. Yeah. So it has something to do with it. But but I don't think that's really the driving factor anymore. And I can't say that I know what it is, but but I just keep trying, trying with experience and, and relationships to to find 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 a sweet spot in, in everyone's yep. career path, you know. I think you're 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 definitely hitting on something there. You know, it's like what I hear anecdotally, I guess, is that it's not just about the dollar anymore. Like they're they can get dollars anywhere else. Like you're in a restaurant and you pay somebody 21, 22, they can go get 23, 24, 25 somewhere else. Like so they're not moving. And we were speaking earlier about, you know, like people are seeing this more of a career. So it's like, why would you, I think the psychology of like, if you went somewhere, why would you move for a buck to extra when you feel like you have a path for success in that particular place? Do you know? So like, I think it kind of goes back to that, that like, I think people look for those kind of like growth opportunities within the organization and, you know, that kind of psychological safety of knowing that there are more benefits, like healthcare is kind of provided now. Like that's like huge. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and people Oh my God, I'm covered for that. Like that matters, you know, those little kind of policies in place, that difference in $1, I don't think speaks a lot of value to somebody. You know, I hear a lot about people who'd like GMs leaving and GMs leaving for a three grand raise in a different restaurant. And it's like, okay, fine. You know, what about like, you know, the, it's like, if that's what you want, you know what I mean? And you're risking yourself, you're kind of like your social or your professional equity in the sense to go somewhere else when you know that like, you know, you might have a professional chance to like grow up that organization. And so I, I, you know, honestly, I would subscribe to your opinion. I mean, just from what I hear from everybody doing this podcast is like, no, it's not necessarily just about like that dollar. Cause if it was, you know, and this is an interesting thing I've definitely heard from people is like Amazon and DoorDash are staring right at you guys. And they're like, we are, we can Hoover your talent. Like we're in the same playpen for talent. You know, like hourly workers, Amazon are in there, you know, and they can offer $24, $28 an hour. 
and they can say you won't have a manager screaming at you. You can wear your headphones all day and you can just work in this factory. Yeah. But people are not going there. You know what I mean? I mean, they are obviously, I mean, they're doing very well, but I mean, like, right. like to the point that it's like decimating the workforce for restaurants. And the point I'm making is like, people can do that. The choice exists there in every metro area in the United States. And, they're right. not. and so I don't think people are as dollar conscious. Like, I think we're in agreement there. I think there's more to it in terms of that culture. And I think, you know, the restaurants that have come out of like say COVID in particular and reset or, you know, what's the word, like evolved their culture to a point that it's like improved it more and more and more becoming more employee centric makes it easier to keep it all these employees and thus like, you know, not necessarily paying them as much, but like they're getting more, more value from you as an employer and as a brand. That's definitely something I hear. Yeah. And we're, we're trying that. I don't know how good we're doing it, but we're, we are trying. And I think it's, I think understanding going back to the beginning of our conversation, kind of understanding what these, what the 25 year old wants out of life, you know, what do they want yeah. in their career and what do they want in their home and, and what is it? And we have to, as, as the leadership within this industry, we have to find a way to tap to tap those those passions within within them, so that we bring them in for a career path and not just for an hourly an hourly job where they they don't feel like they're really you know creating a path for themselves. Totally. I think with Mo's, we've got, another thing that's always been cool is that we've we've been able to take take um, employees and, and let them kind of pick some areas they go work at the beach and yeah they graduate from from our from our store down in auburn alabama they want to come out to vail and, and ski a season or they want to go up to the beaches of wilmington north carolina or yeah you know, whatever it may be so we've we've always kind of had fun with 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 spreading some of the staff around as as they want to do so that's cool well, man, this has been a phenomenal, phenomenal time, phenomenal chat. Like, oh, like we're at the half hour. Look at this. We've been <laughs> chatting for about 15 minutes now. This is, I think, the longest episode I've ever had. So uh, this has been phenomenal, Jeff. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm going to pause the recording, but do you want to, any last few words or any last bit of advice for anybody who listens this far? <laughs> you know, I just appreciate you having me on. Again, It's I think it, it's up to me and you and a lot of people that, that are listening to this and the leadership of this industry to to really push push the industry hard to be at the top of our game and to continue to bring value to our communities um, and and just a sense just a, the sense of hospitality you know it, it's all about relationships and being hospitable and kind and and how as industry leaders, how do we continue to push that harder and harder and harder? Man, you are awesome. I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate every word of the podcast today. You've been a star. You're a gent and you've been a star. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Alex.